Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Well, when I was giving you a little preview of what to expect over the next couple of days for the D.C. sports teams, I completely left out the D.C. defenders. And how dare I? Because as I asked during the show on Wednesday night, when was the last time that any team from the district was at the top of a list of power rankings? And I think that you'd probably have to go back to 2019 right after the Nationals won the World Series and you get a final power rankings for the 2019 season. But it's not like they were at the top of anybody's power rankings for 2020, even before the pandemic hit, right? Right now, the defenders are atop the power rankings from CBS after a week one win over the Seattle Sea Dragons by a score of 22 to 18, a very dramatic game that featured a uh, confiscated beer snake, lemons on the field, and a D.C. Defenders comeback. I'm expecting similar fireworks when D.C. travels to Vegas to play the Vipers tomorrow night. That is a 7 o'clock kickoff. You'll have to watch it on FX or if you got ESPN+, Plus, depending on what your streaming situation is. We are probably one of the few people that actually still have cable on our street and maybe even in the world at this point but we do that because we got to watch the Nats we got to have Nats baseball we got to have Masson and although the Nationals first spring training game which is tomorrow is not on Masson it is still cause for celebration and maybe you're not particularly excited about this national season upcoming because there just isn't a whole lot of expected production out of this team it's very young and that's all understandable but spring training means that spring is just about here we're only a week uh, actually less than a week away from March being here in, in Richmond. I don't know about the if if it's quite the same up in, in D.C. It's actually, it's, it's it is mostly the same. It's just a little bit more humid down here. But March generally signifies springtime in this state and around these parts. And it's a 105 first pitch tomorrow for the Nationals against the St. Louis Cardinals. They've got a double header to the Nationals against the Astros and the Mets on Sunday as well. But how about this? Mackenzie Gore is going to get his first start for the Nationals, which is a spring training start, so not a true first start. But it's in the Grapefruit League against the Cardinals, and obviously Gore's had to overcome elbow issues that plagued him since his the end of his stint in San Diego. It was toward the middle of last season, obviously part of the deal that sent Juan Soto out there to the Padres near the trade deadline. Hey, and how about this? Mackenzie Gore... Turns 24 today, so happy birthday to Mackenzie Gore, part of a very young 
pitching rotation for the Nationals. Of course, that's if you don't include Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. Strasburg, of course, you wouldn't include because he's not there at spring training, had another setback with his nerve issue. We're not sure when we're going to see him again, if we even see him again. And Patrick Corbin is is just not someone that you can count on to deliver anything consistent at this point in his career. He's been one of, if not the worst pitchers in Major League Baseball for the last three seasons. Now, Mackenzie Gore, on the other hand, went 4-4 four and four last year after making his MLB debut for the Padres back on April 15th of 2022. Finished with a 4.5 ERA and 72 strikeouts, so not a ton to go on when it comes to Mackenzie Gore, but he started to exhibit those injury symptoms in, in those last couple of starts, and then he went to the IL with, with elbow inflammation, and that was really the end of his season right there. And... Gore is someone that is going to be counted on heavily going into this season for the Nationals to, I, I, I hesitate to say win games because, yes, of course, he, he's going to be trotting out there expecting to win, uh, at least hoping to win. But I've said that the key thing to look out for going into the season for the Nationals is development. How well are they able to develop some of these younger guys? And, and Mackenzie Gore is one of those guys because – Coming off the injury, Cade Cavalli is as well, and, and we'll talk about him. You got to have those guys out there competing. I mean, we have Steven Strasburg. The, the, the Nationals have Steven Strasburg already, and they, there's nothing that they can do about his situation because the, the injuries just keep coming for him, and he, and he can't get back out there with, without re-aggravating the same issues that, that he's been dealing with for years at this point. So you got to have someone that's consistently out there. And Josiah Gray has been that. Josiah Gray has been that. I think Josiah Gray is a very good pitcher who still has some developing to do. But you put some bats in the lineup for someone like him, you get some some consistent defense behind him, and I, I think Josiah Gray is, is someone that could definitely win 15 to 20 games in a season. Maybe not this season because the Nationals just aren't very good, but he can absolutely get to that total if, if you know, the Nationals are able to build around him and, and and the pitching staff around Josiah Gray is, is is able to consistently produce and some of these other younger guys that, that we haven't mentioned yet outside of the pitching staff like you know Elijah Green who we, who we certainly won't see in 2023 but you know in the next couple of years does he come up and does he start making contributions that's those are the questions that that need to have answers maybe not this season but 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 over the next couple of seasons and and it needs to be steady development. So we've mentioned Mackenzie Gore, we've mentioned Josiah Gray. Trevor Williams and Josiah Gray are going to handle the two split squad games on Sunday. The Nationals have two games, mentioned the split squad on Sunday. So they've got three games over the next two days. Now Cade Cavalli is someone that we just mentioned. He's also likely to be back out on the mound for a start very soon. But he only got one start under his belt last year through four and a third innings in a game that the Nats lost. And I remember that game very well because I remember being very excited to watch Cade Cavalli and thinking that obviously it was nowhere near this, the level of anticipation that, that Nats fans had for when Steven Strasburg debuted uh, over 10 years ago. It was probably the biggest pitching debut of a rookie that was drafted by the Nationals since Steven Strasburg, right? I mean, Max Scherzer's debut was also highly anticipated, but they had to they had to bring him in to to get him a national. They did not 
draft him, obviously. But what I remember about Cape Cavalli's first game is is how bad the defense was behind him. Had a bad first inning, gave up two runs, but it was not his fault. He had very little offense, and that was kind of the theme with the Nationals all season last year. But it was also a game where someone like C.J. Abrams had a bad error in the first inning, and Cavalli could have gotten out of it without surrendering a run but gave up two because there was an error in the field. And it was before guys like C.J. Abrams started getting better in the field, and, and he did have a bad game that night. But you, I thought you saw some steady improvement from Abrams, especially defensively, throughout the end of, of last season. He was very solid at the plate. And he is someone who I would probably peg to be this team's most valuable player at the end of the season. And and I don't think that's a bad thing because they're going to rely on him a lot defensively as well as at the plate. You know, he's someone that's going to have to get on base a good bit, probably hit near the top of their order and try and, and use some of his speed to try and score some runs and help some of these young pitchers that they're going to be trotting out there. There's going to be other guys as well, though, like Luis Garcia. You know, there's a lot of potential between both of the guys that we just mentioned, and I think you're seeing a positive direction for each of those players, but that needs to continue. And for this team to not be the worst team in Major League Baseball in 2023, you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to win more series than they were able to to take in 2022, obviously. So that's what it looks like for the Nats. A game tomorrow at 105, and then a couple of games on Sunday. We'll get our first look at Mackenzie Bo- Mackenzie Gore, who is the birthday boy today. Just turned 24, and he'll get his first start in a Nationals uniform, a spring training start tomorrow. All right, let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. We got more football to get to and three segments to go with you until just shy of 10 o'clock this evening. So stick around. You're listening to 1067 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there. To-
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're talking nationals in the last segment, and I got a funny tweet from our guy, Captain Todd, who's still listening to the show. He said, is our goal to not be the worst team in Major League Baseball? Because that's tough to swallow, man. (laughs) Yes. Todd, yeah, I I am sorry, buddy. I do think that that is probably where we are at with the Nationals right now. At least that's where I'm at, okay? And and if folks out there have higher expectations than that, that is totally fine. I'm just trying not to get hurt because I, I, I when it comes to any sort of season, Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, NBA, you're going to have injuries. There's going to be certain things that happen. And the Nationals are already a very young squad with very little offensive production and a bunch of young pitchers. And to me, that could spell disaster but we've seen teams like the san francisco giants a couple of years ago nobody expected them to do anything remotely close to to as good of record as they had and it took a little bit of a step back last year and and obviously they they haven't gotten back to the world series since winning three in the early 2010s but there you you never know And, and baseball is definitely one of those sports where there's a lot that can happen between the start of a season and an end of the season. 162 games is is a heck of a lot. I pegged the Nationals' absolute ceiling, though, at about 70 games. And 70 wins for this team means that they would have just shy of 100 losses. And depending on what happens, that may or may not be what can be considered a success. So we'll keep an eye out for it. The Nats do play their first spring training game tomorrow at 105. And Mackenzie Gore, who turns 24 today will be getting the start for the Nats. Now, quick scoreboard update on the Wizards. It's going into cr- – actually, it's very much in crunch time. Just 10 seconds left. Wizards in trouble, 113-109. to 109. The New York Knicks lead the Washington Wizards. And it's been quite the show that's been put on by Julius Randle. 46 points for the Knicks' power forward. 16 of 29 from the field. 7 of 14 from downtown incredibly efficient just two rebounds two assists two steals to complete his line but the 46 points obviously looks like it's going to be enough for the Knicks to come out on top still 10 seconds to go but the Wizards trail it by four it looks like the Wizards three-game win streak is going to come to an end Kyle Kuzma with 23 points Porzingis finally back on the board for the first time since the first quarter he is up to 23 points as well but Obviously, 
We knew the Wizards were going to cool off. They were shooting 72% from the field in the first quarter. They've they've come down now to 50%, which is still not bad at all. But uh, obviously that sort of drop back is, is not what they were looking for. And the Knicks closed the gap, and it looks like they're going to win. But back to the football field here for this little segment to discuss what Tom Brady's next move will be. And we think we know what that is. It'll probably be a year before we hear or see anything that has to do with what his next move actually is, which is supposed to be him entering the Fox NFL booth in 2024. And the question is, what does it mean for someone like Greg Olson, who Greg Olson, obviously very good tight end in his day for both the University of Miami and with the Chicago Bears and other teams in the NFL, had a very good career. But he partnered with uh, Kevin Burkhart to form Fox's number one broadcast team in the NFL this season. And... I give Greg Olson a ton of credit, man, because he said back in January, the situation with Tom Brady sucks, but he knows what he signed up for. He's a, He called himself, he says, I'm a big boy, and he, he'll be fine no matter what. And, and I would say I think Olsen and Burkhardt have done a really nice job t- taking over the number one broadcast spot for the NFL on Fox for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who left the network to take over the Monday Night Football booth last year. I thought they did a really nice job with the Super Bowl. Not everybody necessarily feels the same way, and that's fine. Everybody has different opinions. Everybody has a different taste. Now, I would say, I think Greg Olson was clearly wrong about the holding call at the end of the game. You know, we did have James Bradbury himself come out and say that was absolutely a hold, and it deserved to be called. And as I pointed out in the days after the Super Bowl, after the Eagles fell to the Kansas City Chiefs, the refs have been calling that all season long. I mean, just like the hits on the quarterback, people wanted to blame the refs for calling the late hit against Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game, but (laughs) they've been calling that all season. They've been calling even lighter hits on the quarterback like that all season long. Am I saying it's the right thing to do? No, but you have to be aware of what's going on around you so that you don't make a play like that. And for someone like Bradbury, I I think he'll come back stronger uh, from that experience. But, you know, when it comes to the actual Tom Brady's contract and, you know, who's calling the games and this and that, right? One of the other things we talked about on Wednesday was how in any of these professional sports leagues, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, the largest sums of money in those leagues are always tied up in the media rights deals, the broadcast television rights deals. And that is no different for the NFL. The NFL has got the biggest one, in fact. But the NFL splits it between Fox, CBS, not to mention you've got ESPN with Monday Night Football. And Amazon Prime now has Thursday Night Football, which a lot of people think that the NFL needs to get rid of. I personally love it. I, I love, But I could also live without it, right? I, I could live without the NFL on Thursday and if you wanted to give it back to college football, right? Because that's how school like Virginia Tech really made their name was was on Thursday nights. But Tom Brady has an absolutely massive 10-year, $375 million contract that he signed to be in the Fox NFL booth and to serve as a brand ambassador, which he inked in May of last year. So he'll have to follow through on that. But you do wonder, because Greg Olson is, is quite good, I think. And... The the new the good news for Tom if he really wants to do this is and it's 
kind of hard to see someone backing out of a 10-year, $375 million contract. But you, you definitely have to be passionate about the game to want to be in the booth every single Sunday and you know want to be a part of those big moments and, and to be a student again, right? And, and that's who Tom Brady always was. He, he remained throughout his career a student of the game. He talked about how he was in love with the preparation aspect of playing in the NFL. There was no stone that went unturned when it came to Tom's preparation for the next game. Now, will he have that same mentality going into the broadcast booth? It would certainly not hurt, right? The criticisms around Tony Romo have started to mount up because he hasn't really gotten any better since his first couple of seasons a few years ago. And when Tony Romo entered the booth alongside Jim Nance for CBS's number one NFL broadcast team, people loved him at first. They, they and and others were annoyed. It, it, it was never a hundred percent sort of thing. And and for I'm sure Commanders fans here throughout the DMV, it was particularly obnoxious in some regards. But a lot of people liked the fact that he could he could point out a lot of stuff that was happening pre-play and and was often right about that. But since then, the criticism has been that he is not quite as prepared, and a lot of his commentary is just sort of very vague and and you know kind of just shouting excitement at Jim Nance throughout the game sometimes you know what i mean so the i i what i'm saying is i think if tom brady really wants to be good in the broadcast booth he's not going to be able to just walk in there right and that might work for a couple of years uh and he is tom brady after all right so it, it it'll be hard to fire him but you do have to improve. You do have to put in the work to really be good at something like that. As a broadcaster myself, it's not easy. I've done every job in broadcasting under the sun. I, I'm here on the radio. I host sports talk. I've done play-by-play -play in minor league baseball. I did play-by-play -play last year for the Virginia Tech spring game on the Learfield Sports Network. I did... I, I, I've done sideline reporting. I've, I've done it all. And it always takes, no matter what role you're serving, it, it takes a great deal of preparation to be good at that. And it's no, it's not like Tom Brady's any stranger to preparation, but it's a different kind of preparation. And when you've spent as long as you have preparing the way that Tom Brady has every week, game after game, does that get old? Maybe. I don't know. That's why I think it'll be interesting. Because I think Greg Olson's only going to get better from here. Tom seems like he could be, you know, a, a, a good broadcaster. You know, it, it's kind of hard to say, right? Because we, 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 we've seen him in, in, we've seen him be interviewed a heck of a lot more times than actually interview someone. Now he does a podcast with, uh, with Larry Fitzgerald and Jim Gray, I believe. So, so he's kind of dipped his toe into into the broadcast waters, and that's a podcast is not a broadcast because it's on demand and and you can mess it up and cut it out and it's not live. So it's, it's a lot different, but I, I just think it's fascinating. I, I think it'll be hard for them to, to, to move Greg Olson down to the number two team when Tom enters the fray, because I, because I think Olson is, is really good and I think he's going to continue to get better. So when, when Tom shows up, he needs to be prepared and he needs to be ready to rock and roll. And, and if he treats it like he did the rest of his NFL career, that will definitely be the case.
So let's step aside. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. I got more NFL headlines to get your way. Russell Wilson, there's a report that came out about him and his exit from Seattle that may have not been so smooth. We'll talk about that next. It's coming up on 106.7 The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Just a couple segments to go tonight on Overtime 106.7. The Fan coming your way on a Friday evening. Danny Noakes with you, Connor, producing the show. 800-636-1067. If you got any late-night calls you want to get in here, we've been talking a lot of NFL tonight, a lot of commander's discussion, obviously, with the introduction of new offensive coordinator and assistant head coach Eric Bieniemy taking place yesterday. When was the last time a fan was this rejuvenated behind a coaching hire with this franchise? Thanks to the help of Captain Todd, I think it was probably Mike Shanahan, but you might have to go back as far as Joe Gibbs. Either way, this sort of thing does not happen to the franchise very often, so it is big news. You got the Nationals in action tomorrow, their first spring training game, 105 first pitch. Now, This game did go final between the New York Knicks and the Washington Wizards. 115-109, the Wizards drop this game at home. They fall and lose their first game after having won three in a row. So the three-game win streak snapped. They got 23 points out of both Kyle Kuzma and Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis, though, just 5 of 10 shooting, 5 of 9 from the field after starting out nearly perfect from the field. He was 5 of 5 from downtown, had 19 points in the first quarter, but it all went downhill from there. Wizards had an 11-point lead, and then the Knicks outscored them in each of the next three quarters. But uh, Bradley Beal was a question mark going into this game. He did play. He had five turnovers. The, the Wizards had 17 as a team. Beal had the most with five of them. 16 points, 8 assists, 2 blocks, a steal, and 2 rebounds on his stat line. But the player of the game, very clearly, Julius Randle, power forward for the Knicks. 16-29 shooting, 7-14 from downtown. He poured in 46 points tonight. 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 rebounds on his stat line as well. So the Knicks get the win. They snap the Wiz 3-game win streak. And the Wizards are back in action couple of days from now, they get the Bulls on Sunday, 3.30 tip-off in Chicago. So keep an eye out for that. But I wanted to get to a couple more NFL headlines before we close up shop here. This will be our last real full segment. Then we'll close things up. Tie a nice bow on the show. Get you to the rest of your Friday evening coming up in the final segment. That's next. But there was a 
report that Russell Wilson, the quarterback for the Denver Broncos, before his exit from Seattle, at some point wanted Pete Carroll fired. Yes. Now, there was animosity brewing between those two for a good bit of time, it seemed. The, the last couple of years, I think, uh, that was there was some sort of bristle. Now, the report came from The Athletic, if you're wondering where that came from. And Wilson pushed, according to that report, Wilson pushed for Seattle to fire head coach Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider, Schneider with the hopes that the team would hire Sean Payton to be the next head coach. That is interesting. But Russell Wilson did deny this on Twitter, saying that he loved Pete Carroll, that he he was a father figure to him, and he also loved John Schneider, and that he'll always have respect for both of them and the Seattle franchise. I don't know if I take him at his word, because Russ is Russ, Russ has a very large ego. But, of course, it's interesting because Sean Payton recently became the head coach of Russell, Russell Wilson's new team, the Denver Broncos. And if anybody remembers, Sean Payton said after his introductory press conference there in Denver that he had heard about Russell Wilson having his own personal training staff in the building. And Sean Payton said that that would no longer be the case. He said that the team staff will be on site and that'll be it. So Sean Payton is not going to let Russ do whatever he wants, and I think Russell needs that, quite frankly. I, like I said, he's got one of the largest egos in the NFL, if not the largest. He's extremely unlikable. Every time he speaks, we all just kind of cringe, right? He's got an endless list of, of cringeworthy gifts and video clips that are never not circulating on Twitter. So, I, you know, it did... There was obviously some animosity between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll towards the end of Russell Wilson's time in Seattle. Did it result in Russell Wilson going to management and saying that they want he wanted to get rid of Pete Carroll? It's probably something that we'll never know. Only that would be between Russ and Pete Carroll and the Seattle front office. So it is interesting, though. It kind of adds to an already negative list of stories regarding Russell Wilson. So it, it sure will be interesting to see what Sean Payton can do to turn that team around, though, because the Broncos stunk last year. They were so just boring to watch. And, and their defense was not bad, right? I will absolutely give them that. They had a, a solid defense. And I think towards the end of the season, Russ and the offense were not quite as bad. But they stuck the Broncos in prime time in a couple of the early weeks of the 2022 season. And those were some of the least entertaining games of, of the entire year. Certainly in the prime time slot. But goodness gracious, they were really difficult to watch. And it's no wonder Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach there, lost his job. Just really not a whole lot of positive things to say about that team and the 6-10 and ten season that they had last year. Now, here's something that I mentioned at the top of the show because it had to do sort of with Eric Bieniemy coming to Washington, D.C., becoming the new offensive coordinator, assistant head coach for the Washington Commanders. Who would replace that or fill the void left by Eric Bieniemy, who's no longer in Kansas City? Well, the Chiefs made that decision public earlier on this evening. And they stayed within the organization for their new offensive coordinator. They promoted a familiar name, 
Matt Nagy into the spot to replace Eric Bieniemy. If you'll remember, Matt Nagy, 44 years old, Chiefs offensive coordinator on Andy Reid's staff back in 2016 and 2017, which was their last two seasons with Alex Smith as the starting quarterback. And the Chiefs were 20th in the league in yards and 13th in scoring in 2016. They did make a jump in 2017, though. They were 5th in yards the next year and 6th in scoring to finish out that stint as well. Now, Nagy left for the Bears. He became the head coach of the Chicago Bears. He was there for four seasons, had a record of 34-31, and 31, which, again, not terrible, but generally a 500 record is not going to allow you to keep your job for just about that, more, more than four, five, maybe six years. Now, Jeff Fisher was able to make that last a lot longer, but uh, I guess not everyone is, is as resourceful as him, but... Nagy did guide the Bears to an NFC North title in his first season in 2018. He was the NFL Coach of the Year. Did go 0-2 in the playoffs. Got bounced in the wild card round in 2020. And then after a 6-11 and campaign in 2021, Nagy was fired by the Bears and went back to the Chiefs to become their quarterback's coach and senior offensive assistant, which is where he has been for the last season. So Matt Nagy returning to his old post of the offensive coordinator position there with the Kansas City Chiefs. I have to think that Kansas City probably won't drop off that much. Obviously, repeating in the National Football League is tremendously hard, and the Chiefs have had a lot of sustained success, having been to three out of the last four Super Bowls, winning two of them. But they've been losing some guys over the last couple of off-seasons that have each contributed to the championships the Chiefs have won. They lost Tyree Kill last offseason, but they come back in 2022. Didn't seem to miss him a whole lot. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP and then went on to win the Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP as well. So with someone that has the familiarity in the offense that Nagy does, Andy Reid's still going to be calling the plays, and you still got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I tend to think that Kansas City is going to be right back there competing at the top of the AFC, certainly at the top of the AFC West. And and that's what I'll that's what I'll leave you with here with this segment is the the AFC West was supposed to be coming into last season by far the toughest division in football. And it did not end up like that because both the Broncos and the Raiders severely underwhelmed with their 2022 campaigns. Obviously, the Raiders ended up benching Derek Carr who I don't think was that bad. I guess it's a similar situation to, you know, I, w- I don't want to say Rodgers because he's obviously not quite as good as Rodgers, but it's it's the same thing where there's there's been animosity between the two sides for the last couple of years. There's been rumors swirling about him potentially being traded or potentially moving on to somewhere else for the last couple of years. That's what's been happening in, in Las Vegas. And then, obviously, with Denver, we went through what happened with Russell Wilson and that team, they, they were just really bad. The Chargers, meanwhile, had a decent season. And I love Justin Herbert. I'm a, I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. And I, I think he, he gets, he's been, he, a lot of people have been calling him overrated. And I think that that's the exact opposite of what Justin Herbert is. I think he's actually, if anything, underrated. Because not only did he play, what, two months of last season with fractured rib cartilage, which is really difficult to do because you can essentially feel the pain in your ribs doing anything, not even anything that's that you would think is related to your ribs. You could just feel it all the time. But his receivers were out for large 
stints of last season. They were missing Keenan Allen. They were missing Mike Williams. Uh, they, they, they were also missing Austin Eckler for a couple of games. That's not easy to overcome. And, and Herbert still put them back in the playoffs. And a 27 nothing lead on the Jacksonville Jaguars in a game that obviously the Chargers should have been able to put away. And they did not. And the Jaguars came back and won. But the Jags, I think, are a team that's that's definitely on the rise as well. And it's it's funny because obviously we watched the Commanders beat them back in week one. But that was a game that the Jaguars also probably could have won. Travis Etienne dropped what would have been a walk-in touchdown uh, in, in one of those plays. So it, it was easy to see that Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, that team, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones... Evan Ingram, they, they were definitely getting better from week to week. And, and although they came out of a weak division in the AFC South, uh, they, they did manage to move on to the next round. you got to give them credit for that. So that's kind of the NFL headlines that I wanted to get for you. Let's see if the AFC West is a little bit tougher next year than it, than it was this year. I tend to think it will be. But we'll step aside, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be wrapping up the show with one final segment. We'll say our goodbyes and send you off to the rest of your Friday evening. So stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Back here for overtime on 106.7 The Fan. We're wrapping up the show here on a Friday evening. Dandy Noakes with you tonight, Connor, producing the show. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a long one. Free of guests, but some good calls earlier on. Appreciate everyone that has hit us up. We've been keeping you updated on the Washington Wizards game that went final maybe about 20 or so minutes ago. The Wiz dropped their first game out of the All-Star break, 115-109 to the New York Knicks at home inside Capital One Arena. And I just saw this come across my timeline from the Action Network. We mentioned the game that Julius Randle of the New York Knicks had tonight, 46 points on 16-29 shooting. He was incredible. Tied his career high. Action Network points out that Julius Randle had seven three-point shots tonight and that he only made 10 total threes in the three-point contest last weekend at the NBA All-Star Weekend events. So how about that? Guess he was saving all of his threes for the first game back against the Washington Wizards. He was really going to cut it loose, and the Wiz end up dropping this game Again, by final score, 115-109. Wiz jumped out to an early lead. They had an 11-point lead after the first quarter, and then the Knicks really put their heads down and got it done. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the Wizards. They're back out on Sunday. They've got a mid-afternoon tip in Chicago against the Bulls. Now, some good news, because I saw this also on the timeline earlier this afternoon. It was really cool. Alex Ovechkin, obviously just getting back here into D.C., played last night in the loss to the Anaheim Ducks in, inside Capital One Arena. The Caps, there's a, there's a sort of a dark cloud looming over the Caps right now. But Ovi today was seen on social media welcoming a 10-year-old deaf hockey player. Actor Kayvon Woodard came to practice and got the chance to meet his favorite player, Alex Ovechkin. And if you haven't seen it yet on social media, I recommend you go and you check it out. Or if you just if you don't have social media, Google it. Alex Ovechkin welcoming this this young kid. As as I'm told, this this actor Kayvon Woodard, who again is is deaf and is only 10 years old, he he's in HBO Max's new show, The Last of Us, which is also of course an adaptation of a very popular video game. 
But I so that's pretty cool because he plays hockey over in Bowie on the M side of the DMV over there in Maryland. So he's playing hockey for a team in Bowie and Ovi just got the chance to sort of sit there and, and hang out with them. You know, gave him a stick. It's a really heartwarming clip if if you have the chance to go check it out. I recommend that you do. It's it's very neat that I mentioned Ovechkin's back was back in the lineup last night. Just lost his father. It's obviously a life altering moment that any of us would have a hard time overcoming. And Ovechkin not only has had to overcome that, but he has tried to get himself back to a point where he can compete for his team again, which is struggling right now, having lost their last six games and is in danger of falling out of the playoff race. Now, none of that is important to his family, obviously, right? And Ovechkin was very close with his father. You know, it, Ovi, in, in the last week or so, in the very minimal public appearances that he has made because he's he's obviously been grieving, uh, he, he'll get emotional talking about his father, talking about what he gave to him and being at every single practice and every single game that he could have and, and not having him anymore is obviously a, a very difficult thing to, to get through. So it's it's a really cool moment. I, I imagine that, um, you know, it probably felt pretty good for, for Ovi too. You know, just any sort of positive vibes that, that can be provided him right now I just I have to think is is gonna go a long way and you know I always I I believe there was a good chance that Ovi was gonna play last night as well despite having gotten into DC it seems the day before coming back from Russia and I think that there's probably a, a therapeutic element to all of this for Ovi so that's just about gonna do it for us this evening on overtime special thank you to my producer, Connor, who's done a great job tonight. Appreciate you, buddy. Great job all throughout the show. Thanks to everyone that called in. We had a few callers earlier on. Captain Todd hit us up. Also got a call from Tim as well as some others. Appreciate all you guys. It's been a lot of fun. CBS Sports Radio is coming up next right here on 106.7 The Fan. Hope everybody has a great weekend. There's no shortage of D.C. sports on. That is for sure. You've got... The Nationals with their first spring training game tomorrow at 1 p.m. You've got the Capitals with a afternoon game tomorrow as well. They host the New York Rangers. You've got the D.C. Defenders back in action tomorrow night. They're on the road at Vegas. The Wizards are back in action on Sunday as well. So there is a whole heck of a lot to look forward to, not to mention what happens next with the Commanders and Eric Bieniemy staffing out his offense Hope everybody has a great weekend. I will talk to you all again Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8.30. That's my next overtime shift right back here on 106.7 The Fan. Until then, be safe, be kind, and be well. I'm out of here. Deuces. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 